Welcome everyone. It is Tinashe here again for the Dundeal Show with our co-host Tonje Becking. Super excited for the guest we have today, Anna Pitcher. Now, how's it going? Going good. Thanks for having me yeah. on. I'm I'm super excited to chat social. So yeah, yeah, and it's a really interesting, you know, subject today, especially with you, you know, being in the scene as a marketer in the social space, but also being a TikToker yourself. So we'll, you know, unwind more of that as we get going here. So first, we like to just start with, you know. Give us an intro about yourself, you know, who you are, what's your background and everything. Yeah, so I'm Anna. I'm I'm a marketer for about nine years now. I've worked in both startups and corporate, mainly doing social in all different aspects. So I've done customer service, social media, which is a little bit different than social strategy. But I kind of started my career there and I moved into web product marketing kind of deal where I learned how to do back and front end of websites and kind of realized like to get those metrics that you need really should be promoting, right? Like you need a good strategy to get that traffic there. So from there in my career, I ended up going to work at Dell Technologies. So I did social media strategy there for three and a half years. And cool thing about that was that, you know, they they were pretty developed in social. So I, I always feel like I went into the future for a little bit. And then when I go back and, and kind of look at social strategy today, I'm like, wait, whoa, like we were pretty head there. So I worked on the B2B side for a while. So I was consulting internally for social media on it was what was EMC at the time. So it was Dell EMC. There was about like five different accounts that were kind of the big thing there for B2B marketing, did all the consulting, nailed that. They moved me over to the Dell side, which is like the consumer brand. Uh, when you think oh, of the Dell, fun you side. think computers, right? You don't really think. Yeah, yeah exactly. The consumer <laughs> side. So fun, like CES, like all those South by Southwest, all those kind of fun, like shows that you would go to with, you know, what we used to call Circle Dell. I did that, did the strategy there. And then they had an overarching brand, actually, that was made up of multiple companies. So I did social strategy across like 400 accounts for Dell Technologies, which is encompassed six companies at the time that kind of split. But, you know, thinking about how you kind of strategize across multiple different handles and I would say accounts, brands, it, it was wild. So I did social strategy for corporate, kind of figured out, like, where do I want to go from there? And I moved into product marketing which is like, wait, like, why would you go to product marketing? You just did social media. Yes. But I, I felt like product marketers really didn't have it down on providing content for social optimized stuff. So I wanted to play the role of a B2B product marketer and figure out kind of what the challenges were in the tech space. You know, why wasn't I getting stuff ready to go on social media? Or why was I getting stuff that should go on all the platforms when it should only be on yeah. one? Like their content would really only perform on one. So I did that for about a year and a half and learned a lot about the dev cycle and the challenges that marketers kind of have over there and then moved to lead social me social media for the company now. So I do global social there. But, you know, it's alongside all of that, right, you got the corporate experience. I developed my TikTok, which not a lot of you think a lot of social media people would do that, but they don't. And that's OK, because they're mainly working on branded accounts. Like, I feel like sometimes yeah. you go into a job and they're like, you should have your own account, right? And you should have a lot of followers if you're good at social media. And it's really not the case. I think a lot of people are great social media marketers, but they might not have the following like I do. So I 2020, I was on maternity leave. I had a baby in April of 2020. And I was just hearing about TikTok. And I'm the type of person who like always needs to be busy. So yeah. I decided to kind of explore in TikTok. It was never my like, intention to grow a following but i ended up growing now to 200 almost 200,000 followers we're getting there and i have about 4.5 million likes across all my content and yeah i've done about 35 brand deals on my own that are Whoa, like big, big names yeah. yeah and the rest of them have been like smaller deals so i usually only kind of talk about the ones that are a little bit more structured but the intention was never to grow that and i think that's the beautiful thing about my account new mommy talks is that it was full organic growth. And it was it was mainly a test, a test place for a corporate social media person to learn about TikTok. And I saw this gap for mom content. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, I haven't seen this opportunity since Instagram. Let's go and mm -hmm. just dived in there. So I brought a lot of those those findings, you know, really changed my perspective, I think, on social media marketing. And it's kind of where I am today. I bring those insights to the business and I, I kind of tell everyone that 
even though I'm a content creator, everyone in your business is an influencer, essentially. And I kind of talk about how we should be enabling other people uh, to talk about the business in ways that are positive and also get feedback that way, too, just like content creators do today. So it's kind of my so, perspective comes from that angle. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. Can you tell us more about your infrastructure? You know, like you, you have this corporate background. Yeah. Take. Now you're also like a fast growing creator with over like 35 brand deals. Do you have a, a tenant manager helping you for your deals or do you leverage your own corporate experience and social media experience? To manage yourself? You know, I love this question so much because I feel privileged that I have the experience that I do to be able to do it myself because some of the stuff I see come through, you know, as someone who's in corporate social media, I, I did deals for celebrities a lot of the times and contracts on the other side, right? And so I'm used to kind of reading those terms and conditions, but on the other side for corporate. And so when it came into my inbox and I started getting those deals, it was a very interesting perspective of like, wow, you know, there's people out there who have no idea what they're looking at and they just sign it and they're ready to go. And so from from my perspective right now, I don't have a talent manager. I, I've gotten into scenarios recently, though, now that I'm at the growth that I am, that I'm I'm like, you know, I think I should probably look into that because it's getting it's getting big. And up to this point, I'm like, oh, you know, kudos. I think I did a decent job managing it. But you get to a point where it's like, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to read. And there's a lot of different pieces that comes into content creation from the creator and corporate perspective. So right now by myself, but I was at the point where I, I two weeks ago, I'm, I'm very ready to look into getting someone. <laughs> And, and you mentioned so. something really interesting. So you were on the corporate side looking yeah. at deals with celebrities, influencers. Oh, yeah. Can you like share more details about like your interactions at that time with standard managers? Like like how they were defending or not their creators and the tension you had internally in the corporation interacting with them? Yeah, another great question. So I think one of the biggest things that comes from the corporate side is that we, when you're looking over a contract, you know, with someone who's famous, they have influence just as much as a big business does, right? So you, you have two totally different entities that are trying to partner together. The business is expecting, oh, we have this big name. We got to go big with this. And, you know, the talent, the person on the other side who's a talent, they're like, yeah, I don't even want to be mentioned by the company. I don't want anything on your social. <laughs> and I'm over here trying to explain that. I think that's the funnest part being in corporate is trying to explain and, and defend what the talent wants and understanding like, you know, we can't post about this because that is their likeness, right? Like they don't want that association, but sure, they're going to perform at our big event, right? Like that's that's yeah. something that's a big thing. And that's setting the expectations with the business is one thing. The other part of it is that I've had creators who will talent, right? We'll say talent and the corporate side who also want our employees to not mention anything. And that's where it's like, well, we can't control what they say. So we got to be really realistic with them. Like, you know, we we don't have that type of control over personal accounts. So branded account is a different entity, right? Like, but a person, like they are able to kind of use whatever they want to kind of say what they want, right? So I think from my perspective, like taking that away as a creator as well and, and realizing that I do have the opportunity to push back on brands where they might be using my content and how, that's what has got me to be able to not have a talent manager for as long as I have today. But that's where it's like the more complex these deals get, you you do need someone. Like you need someone just to have those second eyes I ran into a scenario recently with a brand who wanted to use my content for advertising. And I caught it in like a small terms and conditions at the bottom, well, knowing like, that that so was something small, I, yep. You know, nothing small. like in, in gray. Exactly. <laughs> like, it is. Like gray. You know, it is, yeah. it is Worldwide so gray. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And those... They do it that way, right? Like they do it that way. And, you know, you can work with a brand who's pretty transparent and that's luck, right? Like they're, that's very luck. You have really good people who understand that. Or you can work with a, a brand that 
knows that they're hiding it and they you you end up looking online and you're like why is that why are they running ads on is that my face and so trying to understand that and and find those things can get harder as the deals get bigger and in yeah. trying to understand what they want to use your brand really for at that point because now it's not just a creator i'm creating this brand all of a sudden i'm a brand <laughs> and yeah. that's that's kind of the the inflection point is like now it's like there's co more complex stuff in these contracts, just like there was with those big name talent that we had yeah. and, and me not wanting them to use it for or gets even more complex for me because I have children, right? Like, hey, don't use my kids in ads. I don't know where you're putting my ads. Um, so it, it gets kind of like in that area, too. Yeah, and I'm kind of so. curious. So for our agency, we have different types of talent when it comes to why they're signing, yeah. right? Either it's, hey, I'm yeah. growing too fast or hey, I think I need yeah. management, right? Like I want to do a lot of things. So I'm curious, you know, for those listeners who are in the corporate side that are also looking, like maybe they're growing kind of like where you're at. What are those key factors that you feel like you need a manager for? Or is it only just inbound management? Or do you have kind of bigger plans? Like, what is that? Like, how do you see the value of a manager outside of just inbox management, right? Like, how do you kind of, you know, validate their value for you to be able to take that management fee? And I'm going to have a really strong perspective on this one. Go for anytime, it. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime you are engaging with the influencer community, you need someone actively managing it. Like, you really Whoa. do. And I have seen this on the brand side flop like so hard where they're doing a lot of paid they're boosting social influence they're influencers they're using a ton of influencers on the communities and they're not managing any of the stuff they just created like at mm -hmm. all they don't they're not seeing like oh wow this influencer just drove a bunch of sales but there's a ton of comments in there that we should be equipping our influencer with information about how to answer them or we as the brand need to be engaging and management Having someone to actually figure that out and build those relationships with those influencers and answer those questions when need be, you go and answer, you go and ask just like a company who's just, yeah, here, here's, you know, $100,000, go get some influencers. And you have someone who's just doing it all, I would say, right? Like in my, my scenario in corporate marketing, we're asked to do it all. And that's kind of where the industry is at too, right? Like, I think the industry of social isn't aware yet. Well, I would say corporate isn't aware yet of how specific social skills can be. So influencer marketing is a niche of social, but a lot of people are just hiring a social manager. And so when I say that, I think that you need a specific person to do this area to do it right. You, you really do. And it can't just be your social manager. And you, you, you heard social media influencer is a big thing throw a budget at them and they do it all, you'll end up with a brand crisis <laughs> somewhere where you're not able to either answer the questions or the influencer isn't representing your brand correctly. They're not providing campaign details correctly. And I've been on both sides of that. I've seen flops, like complete flops. And I've, I've documented them. I've said, oh, wow, like this is interesting, a flop. Yeah, see, and, and the curious of that, so like you talk about on the brand how they should be looking at managing influencers on a relationship basis. Now, mm. I want to flip it on you on the talent side, right? I know you, like yeah. earlier said, you are potentially looking at management. What are things that you feel on a creator side are characteristics a, a good talent manager should have that's going to represent you or any other talent? They know my brand and they know exactly what type of stuff would fit well on my channel. So I think without having a talent manager, I got to do that myself. They kind of edit out. And I mean, even my inbox right now, this sounds absolutely nuts, but I have about like 8,000 emails. I on a on a basis, I get so many in like inboxes that stuff that just would never fit into new mommy talks's brand. And you're getting spammed out so much. Hey, promote my product, promote my product. And you look at them and they're not a fit. They're not a fit at all. And that's on me to to go through those and try to figure that out. Now, rarely, now this sounds crazy, right? Rarely do I actually get someone who is personally reaching out to me and saying, hey, I think there's a product that would fit well in your channel. Oh. They're usually talent managers and they're not ever the brand, believe it or not. There's someone who's professionally working for them. And those are honestly, I've had the best experience working with them because they have all the stuff down to already know how to work with the creator. Hey, here's exactly what we need of you. Like that's my checkbox, right? Like, yes. Sure. This is very clear. It's the messaging. It already fits into my, they've, they've vetted me out already and they know what I would post. 
that's that's an automatic yes. Like when I have to come up with those concepts, like I feel like I should be charging them. Like, you know, I should I feel like you need extra money for my ideation here because mm. this is this is ridiculous. So I look for talent managers who are, hey, I already know exactly what they're looking for. Like, and I saw your account and I know that it would be a fit. Do you agree? And I'm like, yeah, like, this is awesome. Like, what do you need from me? It's clear. Let's go. Like, it's, I praise those people who, who do that. I want to talk a bit about conversion because your profile yeah. is really interesting. You've been on both sides of the uh, equation. And so I guess you, in your corporate side, you know, like conversion was important for you when you were reporting on those campaigns and those, you know, like, and especially when it comes to influencer marketing. Now you're a content creator with like huge following and brand deals. So how does this impact the way you produce the content or the way you engage with your following? You mentioned the comments. Can you talk about it? Yeah. The conversion's an interesting one because I, I feel like everyone, it, there's two things I always get and I'm very opinionated on this as well, <laughs> is that a lot of people either want, you know, oh, these influencers to partner with us with high followers, right? And I'm like, eee, great. You need to make sure that their followers are authentic off the bat because if you see that they have a low engagement rate, you're not going to get any conversion from them at all because most likely they grew their following like inauthentically. Like it's not a real following. And they either use someone to grow that following and it's not good. And so when I think about content and conversion, I think about does this person have an authentic audience? And am I building an authentic audience? Because the only way I'm going to convert is if those people are real, like they're authentic and there's real people behind that. So it, it really depends on the market, right? So like I'm working in tech, I'm working in the mom space, right? Those are going to have totally different like audiences and potential, right? So what my follower account might look like is going to be totally different than the B2B tech space. And, you know, I got a lot of people who are like, how do we get like that? And it's like, well, you're not even in that space. We can't compare, right? So when I think about creating the content, I think about like a couple things, right? Like, where am I going to put it that has the most reach? I, I truly believe you can convert anywhere. And I actually do believe that you can convert better when your competitors aren't there. So a lot of people will say, well, well, TikTok, like it doesn't convert. And I say, well, is your competitor there? Well, you know, our followers aren't there. Our, our audience isn't there. It's like, well, they probably are, but you, you know, you don't see that yet, right? So there's an opportunity to create content different places, right? So maybe you just go and test the waters on TikTok, right? You start putting out content. Hey, like this is the problem of having maybe just test some stuff. See what it does. Maybe it's just building followers. Well, if you already know that your your LinkedIn is the converter and that's where you're going to do all your conversion stuff, you can just start driving traffic there. You can you can use any social for anything as mm. long as it's not duplicating content everywhere, right? Like you really need to be strategic about where you're putting the content, what the audience looks like, what content is resonating with them, but you got to test out what that is first, right? Like so a lot of people don't want to take that jump and and do that because they don't, they're afraid like, oh, it's not going to, it's not going to drive a sales or it's not going to, our competitors aren't doing it. Well, that's the opportunity, right? So go do that and then figure out how to get the sales. Like my, my new mommy talks converts better than I've seen a lot of social accounts convert. So it, it's, you know, they think TikTok doesn't convert. It does, right? You just got to be strategic about what type of content is the converter. So for me personally, my conversion ones are when I do stuff like baby registry stuff, like that is going to be my content that converts. It's mm. going to be a sale off of that. But, you know, I get a lot of followers by talking about safety. And that's how I can get people to build a loyal following. I talk a lot about child safety. So my content that converts is is going to be the baby registry stuff. Right. So and it's it's storytelling. What so. is a low co uh, like like engagement rate for you? Or what is like? As on the corporate side, I'm not talking about your account, but on the corporate side, when you look at a deck or, or someone yeah, sending you like a roster and you're like, mm, mm, this rate, like this, this engagement rate is too low. What is low? Oh, I've seen really low. I've seen, you know, and I, <laughs> I already know, like, 
I mean, when I say really low, I've seen like 0.0000%, right? Like, oh, God. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know that. I think what's different yeah. about the corporate world is really your stakeholders create the content. When you're in a giant company, so many people want to use that account. So you're trying to figure out how to put the story together to make that account sound unified. And it's hard because a lot of companies, you know, you'll get, I, I use this example all the time and just make up this name, but you get Jim over there who wants to post a, an event, right? Hey, I, I, I want you to register for, you know, South by Southwest. And we want to drive traffic to that booth. And I'm like, Jim, we're a global account, you know, like not everyone's going to go to South by Southwest. How about we tell a story about why we're there, you know? And they're like, no, I, I need registrations. Like they want that conversion metric, right? And I know in the back of my head, the only thing that's going to do that is paid, right? Hey, you need to do paid demand gen content. You do have a budget. We can do a, a click demand gen ad where people sign up specifically for your booth and they don't have that. So a lot of the businesses that, you know, default to organic social media because they either don't have budget and they want to just put something out there that they think is going to convert and it's not. And we could tell a story about it, right? Like, hey, are you going to this event? We're there for X, Y, Z reason from a branded account. But again, it's not going to convert, you know, unless you have paid and it's specific. You have this giant audience. So not everyone can go. So bring the story to them and then convert in other ways. So it's it's a very different approach than content creation direct to sales. It's very different. So earlier you mentioned tech and yeah. the month space. I would love to focus a bit more on tech because if my background, I'm a tech founder, I'm the CEO of uh, OnScale. There's just few tenant managers focusing on tech-oriented uh, traders. And I feel like for tech CEOs or tech marketers, there's a lack of influencer you can reach out to promote maybe a boring API service or a SaaS service or whatever. And so, and I feel like there's a lot of money there in the very niche type of tech products. So how do you look at this? All right. This one's an interesting one. So yeah, because when I say influencers, this is my perspective. You know, you have the smartest people in tech who work for you developing your products. And there's going to be a small handful of them who want to talk about it. Those are your influencers in tech. Your founders, your CEO, your your C-suite, your chief product officer, they're your influencers. So if they're not excited about the product, like you need to get them excited about it and get them on social talking about it. Because LinkedIn is a place where people are looking for that expertise, right? They're looking yeah. for the people who know what they're talking about. And so really focusing on that area is, is what you kind of can do there. And it's like enabling within the business, your smartest people are developing that tech to want to share about that process and tell a story there. The problem is when you go into social media groups, they see it, the business, and this is across the tech industry. They're like, social's so fun. And it's so funny. They think that, right? Like everyone thinks <laughs> this in social. And, and you're like, it's great, right? Like you want me to do fun things and post a corporate account, but like I really need to go sell a product that the tech people know about, right? Like I want them to go talk about it. So I will, it's funny, I'll, I get more traction because I have a TikTok in, in more credibility talking to these types of people, like, hey, I built a huge following in something I love. You love tech. You should go talk about it and then talk about the process and people appreciate that. So it's a totally different approach to like influencers. I've seen people who are subject matter experts do things where like maybe at events they all get together and they like tweet with each other or take pictures with each other and they're experts in the API space, right? Like, but that networking online, it's it's trying to get them out of that that thought that social media is just like a joke or a place that they can just post. And especially with our tech audience, it's the big it's the biggest thing is like, you know, they're into security. They're into this, they're gonna ask deeper questions, right? So get your subject matter experts involved in the social strategy. Get the people who touch the product involved. Like you need to. So that's what I focus on a lot. And then I'm curious off that. So do you feel like you're not really even looking to outsource? You would recommend finding more uh, key opinion leaders, you know, because obviously there's not that many of them. Yeah. Is it more of a lack of resource to say, let's hire out and you have to look internal or is it just because of such a high ticket 
dollar type of product that it's not the just influencing is a lot different. Or it's so kind of curious why you're not like say, hey, get uh, what's his name, uh, Kevin O'Hare, if you have the money to come, you know, like why, you know, I'm kind of curious of like when is that necessary versus no focus on internal. Yeah, like that stuff's still necessary though. Like at a, events, for example, you get you get someone who's big big name in the space, you have them talk, right, and you show them kind of what the company stuff is necessary, right? But it's the always on content, right? Like those people who are always on or in that space, like every, every tech, it's a small network of people who work on these like really specific areas of tech and they all know each other and they all want to be the best or think that they know more, right? And so having them be like, put their opinions out there and talk with other professionals and stuff like that is usually great. You could outsource that type of service too, to get people trained. Like that's, Another thing is like sales enablement and training. Like that's kind of the internal influencers that you speak of. But then getting in someone who is an expert is is another thing. It's another type of influence, right? Influencers. Um, but yeah, it's like getting getting the right people in. And, and when you have those deals, right? Like the Kevin O'Hare one, like you just said, well, can you get people who want to speak with your company, right? And get them. It's one thing like we were talking about earlier, right? A lot of people will pick influencers based off of their opinion that they're big names, but not based off of the reach that they can get the business. So you end up with an influencer who wants nothing to do with your brand and you're paying with the paying for them. Right. And they don't want anything to do with it. So it's like if you are going to work and outsource the agency or hire talent, like, please let it be someone who aligns with the company as well. Like in that they want to help yeah. speak on behalf of the company or be involved in a conversation about. AI, for example, or APIs and want to be like, hey, I just gave a talk at, I don't know, Microsoft, right? And they want to mention that, be a part of their strategy. It's kind of like vetting that talent that aligns very much with the company as well. Just like I was speaking about my my channel, right? A lot of corporations don't do that. So it's how do you do that? And so, yeah, that's when you would work with a, a good agency to do that. But you got to educate the business first, right? The business needs to be educated. And that's really what my job comes down to is like, so great we want to hire this person to come speak they were looking at the contract they want nothing to do with us are we cool with that because you over here think that it's not cool and you want to post about them on social but definitely look at their contract and says absolutely not anywhere um and they're like oh we already yeah, signed <laughs> so <laughs> i think i think i think brands have a difficult time to understand that some creators don't care about their products and it's almost like is hurting their feelings. They feel like, but like we spend that much time working on this new product, we shouldn't yeah. care. And it's okay, like to not care about your product because to be honest, the brand doesn't really care about the creator after the campaign. So why pretend that it's not that transactional? But it's not because he it's transactional that even if the relationship between a brand and a creator is transactional, it should be like align on certain like values, right? And yeah. I'm wondering in your experience in the corporate side, as you've seen talent managers pitching you the right way, do you, have you seen like the, the do's and don'ts for talent managers to approaching uh, brands and what are the things you will learn from it? Yeah, so I've learned, at least from my experience, so like our our team really didn't get to touch much of that, believe it or not. So it's like, wait, the social people aren't even involved from the get-go. So a lot of like, yeah, um, and that's very common. So like what happens is that a lot of people will go out, seek these contracts and then come to social after the fact. Want to promote this on social? Really? Um, and that's the chat all the time. Yeah, this is for pretty much everything you can imagine on the, the corporate social side. So like my job is how do I get them to realize it's important to loop us in in the beginning of these things? So we can help advise like, hey, what what are your goals? And that's really what I always start with. Right. Like, because if it is having someone a big name, like want to promote your brand, then we need to be aligned and look with like look for someone together that would want to do that on our accounts. And I can pitch that like, hey, here's what our landscape looks like for social. Like our account has X amount of following and kind of pitch it that way in that it, it does benefit them or they have that opportunity when you have a big brand or you have like a big social presence, there is value to someone else who also has that big presence. So it's also using that to showcase that there is value for someone else. It's just the stakeholders typically don't even 
see it as that. But do you mean that you're not even in the brief? You're not like seeing the brief before we send the brief? Not even? No. Oh, no. They'll be like, wow. you want to know the biggest? It is so common in social media for the social manager to be not not looped in of anything. It's so common. And it, the reason is because they think like we want to post stuff on social, like a lot of the times. And we're like, no, we need to know this information so it doesn't get out there. <laughs> right. Like we are the people who gatekeep yeah. that. Right. So we want to make sure that the message doesn't get out there. Right. So a lot of the stuff that is considered like you know, confidential, like I've had to really showcase, like, why is it valuable up front? Like today in my current job, I'm, I'm super looped in on everything that's like that because I'm able to, to showcase why I need to be there or why that social needs a seat at the table. It, it's been this backseat thing, I think for a lot of people like, oh, they just post. They don't, they don't mm -hmm. know anything about the contract. Like they'll just post about it. Um, and it, there's so much more to social media than just posting, right? Like, and it comes a lot from that content creator background. I know that like there's these contracts that go into place. There's this stuff that goes behind the scenes and it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And not looping in your social team is like, okay, well, we can't do anything. <laughs> it means that they approve the content and then they turn to you and it's like, post this. Yeah. Oh yeah, all the time. Oh my God, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it sounds crazy for me. And it's interesting that you bring that up because a big conversation we've been having is, and we talked a lot of brand partners about this, how influencer marketing needs to also be in the core of your marketing brand and not an add-on. Because, you know, I mean, it happens all the time as an agency, you know, like those calls, hey, you know, uh, leadership wanted to do something. We got X amount of budget. Can you make it happen? Three weeks? But we have to kind of like see what's still possible. But I'm telling them, you know, Interesting where the dialogue needs to be more of centralizing influencer marketing and it's social, mm -hmm. which is interesting because we've had some clients where sometimes rarely, you know, some clients that are more, I think, progressive, I've, I've learned that are more modern-esque, yeah. kind of stay, tend to involve their social a, a lot more. And But kind of curious of like, when you're having those conversations, especially for those brand marketers that are listening in, in right now that might be the social team or even influencer roles that are like, they put me in this role right now and I'm listening to the show. What can they do to kind of show leadership? Hey, let us kind of, you know, maybe yes, leadership, you have a grand idea, but day to day, how it actually is executed, how can they kind of show like, hey, trust us and we'll get the execution done? Because all in the day, like me and my leadership perspective, right? All I care is numbers and data. Yeah. So sometimes I have ideas that I tell the team and they come back to like, I see what you're going for, but this is how the best way of doing it. So, so like, what can people in those roles do to help management see the clear picture? Yeah, I think it's just outlining every, like, and, and this is what I kind of came in and did in my role, is outlining all of the different components to social and putting an actual face to it, right? Whether it be an agency or not, like, just put, like, a headshot next to it, right? Here are all the different areas of social media and what that needs for support. And I think it opens their eyes to like, wait, this isn't just one human being and you guys don't just post on social. Like, wait, there's a lot more to it. The biggest thing that I actually see is that, and I know a lot of people are, who are probably listening, who are social managers walk in and they're like, yeah, we, we have a bunch of social media accounts. And you're like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean you have a bunch? And they're like, yeah, we have like a ton of different accounts in the regions. And you're like, who manages those, right? Like, and they're like, oh, that person just doing it part-time, right? And, and you as a social strategist, you're like, wait, I know that like to grow a successful account, you need to be posting X amount of times each day. You know that that's, that's set up to fail already. So it's just go be proactive, right? Set up the business. Like this is how it works. Like this is what we need to be successful and accomplish your goals. And this is the resources we would need to do that. And I think it's it's eye opening to see like, wait, it's typically way more than they thought. Um, and it's typically way it's not just one human being that's the social manager. Um, it, it, it's comprised of a bunch of different experts um, and kind of level setting that way, because I think there's a an also a money saving aspects that goes into it. Right. Like I just positioning it as money saving as well, because I think social is seen already as a money saving aspect. 
because it's seen as the free marketing, <laughs> uh, but it's not at all. Is yeah, that all free? I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was making a skit earlier actually about this, but it, it's funny because it's it's not the free one, right? So what does it? What do you need to be successful? But also, how can you save the business from creating assets everywhere that aren't going to do anything? So it's like taking yeah. that audit, right? Like take the audit. Where are you today? Like how what how many accounts do you have open? What are you already using? Is it working? Because like I said, sometimes it's not even working, but you just keep doing it because the business is like, keep posting, keep posting. Okay, it's good enough, right? But it could be better or it's it's not really good, right? Um, you have so many accounts today that could be shut down. Everyone does, right? Like, and they're not doing anything besides you're just keeping the lights on by sending out a post. It's the same thing for influencer marketing as well. Like, do you have it? Do you need it? Are you doing anything about it? Like, you got to really take that that holistic look. Tell the business where you can save money, like off the bat. Where where can what can we stop doing, and what can we put money into doing? Um, that'll that'll get them to start thinking about social differently right away. We'll be like, what? Are we spending too much money there? That'll get their attention. Yes. What are the trends that you are seeing right now in 2023 in influencer marketing? What are the, your predictions too? Yeah. So there's there's two two big ones. And there's, there's it's, I'm going to start, I'll start with the, the one that's a little bit less complex. So the first one is that I think we, with TikTok, there's been a capitalization off of content creation for exchange of free product has become a normalization. So the cost of influencer marketing for content creators, I mean, you Instagram, if you were an influencer back when it was just Instagram, you were making big money or YouTube, right? You can make decent, you could do it for full time. How much a TikToker makes is barely anything because half the deals that will come through will literally be like, hey, like we really liked you. We think you'd be such a good fit for the brand. And, you know, we want to send you our product in exchange for a video. And I can't believe that companies are going that way and successful at it. Like, I don't know if you remembered, there's this one a brand of water bottles that used to promote on TikTok heavily. Oh, coldest, coldest water, water bottle. bottle. They, yeah. Oh. Okay, so we're yeah. going to, coldest water bottle, I've been, I've been waiting for this moment. Okay. I I went at it with the uh, actual the t the influencer person on on coldest water bottle because they were trying to ask me to do seven videos with it with the coldest water bottle positioned uh, for like fifty bucks and I was like that's a really yeah. big ask like that is, I this was beginning of the days and I was just like wow they're getting away and then I see everyone doing it and I'm like everyone is signing up for this <laughs> like. It was so wild for me. And I'm like talking to my coworkers, like, look at this. They're all doing this. It's wild. So that new like barrier to entry and influencer marketing is so low now, which is cool, right? Like there's people who are willing to do that where it's like, wow, that wasn't a thing before. That was new. That's new. Like that's very new. Uh, and that is, that's, it's a beautiful thing for small businesses, right? Like now you got people who are not going to take those $30,000 deals and they want it maybe they'll take it for a hundred bucks and now you got like a content creator creating stuff for you that's that's awesome like that is awesome right that wasn't a add, before it used to be big bu budgets I, I, if i can add something on this because I, i'm spending a lot of time thinking about uh, the free uh, the gifting i think in the next two years we'll see regulation coming after those companies because when you start sending two products to teenagers it, you, you you it's labor and so what render regulator would go to those companies, uh, we would see a big change in, in this. Literally, if you send to a teenager, yeah. like, um, like a product, an item in exchange of their labor, it sounds bad. It sounds pretty bad. Yeah. Sounds terrible. You're so right. Yeah. Those some controversy. I believe was it poppy. Is it Olipop or poppy? Either way, I. I drink both brands, by the way. I love them. It tastes great. It's amazing. But basically, they... I got to put that out there first before I say this. But I know that once it's been said, big backlash because they were sending just like, you would have to pay for your own drink and do the deals. And you, if you get some payment, then you get affiliate. So the fact that some brands are saying you have to go pay for your own product, create the video. Then when you get sales is when you get paid. So it's interesting because even coldest water bottle, 
And the moment you said that, I knew exactly yeah. because they're still, we still see emails to this day. So they've been at it since like 2020, yeah. at least when we kind of started seeing them. So it's interesting because you're right. It like devalues the marketplace when people keep accepting, yes. right? Especially when they're targeting someone who might only have 10K on TikTok. They blow up. Coldest Water Bottle hits up. Oh, wow, my first deal. And I used to be a YouTuber back in the day. I'm not going to, I did it. I did videos where I had product, got, you know, millions of views. I'm like, oh, I'm sponsored. Yes. Yeah, look at this product. I was doing this to feel that sense. So, it's, so I'm glad that, you know, someone like you, you, you might see it from the corporate side in terms of objectives, in terms of when you need to, you know, make the business, but you still understand on the other end that it's about mutual relationships, yep. right? And creating a more sustainable ecosystem. Yeah. With gifting, the only people making any money are FedEx, UPS. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Money. <laughs> I'm like, what's your, what's your profit margin on this gift? Like, I literally am like, so I like to them, it sounds like, oh, we're giving you this five, like in a, yes. creators out there, mm. we're going to give you this $500 product. I'm over here from a business perspective, like how much does it cost you to make that thing? Like, come on. Like, you really think yeah, I'm exactly. that, you think I'm that person. Yeah. Like, I'm so bad. And so I, I'm over here like, no way. Like that's, that's my perspective on the deals. It's so hard. Right. Cause I'm like, yeah, I would, maybe I would exactly. accept that, but I know it costs you 50 cents to make this. So exactly. your marketing spend is 50 cents. Yeah. Like good for you. But like, yeah. That's, exactly. yeah. And you, and then you get the excited creators, right? Like, so now I coach a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. Like all the time. I, I have a lot of coworkers that came from that Dell group that we all talk and they're everywhere in the industry now. Cause our original mm -hmm. group isn't there, but they're everywhere. We all talk about it. Some of them do work in the influencing space. And when you get that first deal, like it could be anything. It could be a coldest water bottle, right? You're excited. Yeah. Oh my God. Someone just reached out to me. Oh, that's so awesome. Right. And it could be the brand yeah. that doesn't align with you. Right. And you're just like, I'm so excited. And then your followers this is what happens. Influencers are like, what is that? Like they, it doesn't resonate with them. Like it resonates with you. Like, so you got to really think about that. Like it, it, that's where you need a talent manager sometimes because you get really excited. But it's like that's where new mommy talks is. Right. Like I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And no one cares. It's a, for me and my audience doesn't. So now you've got that inflection point. And even talking about the, the manager thing. Oh, wait, tell you real quick is it's funny because we'll do strategic things with our talent, yeah. right? Where it's like, hey, we, I want to enter a new sector. Okay, you've never done it. Okay, so we'll, for example, one creator last year, uh, we wanted to ramp up her in the beauty space. So we intentionally reached out to some massive beauty brands with Mac, some other ones that we had the initial relationship and said, okay, hey, she'll do a gifting, whatever. And we did it like aggressively for like a month, yeah. which built her resume. And then right at the brands we went for free, we were able to come back and we actually were able to then pay and charge. And then within a month, she no longer was doing free. And her price went from like 200 to like 8,000, like very quickly because we, we were able to take the videos because because it was free. We treated it still like a brand deal. She did her best. You know, it, she has not, now full control, right? Because it's hers still. And it's still a hashtag ad because it's being given to us way that we put it on the deck. Oh, she worked with this, this, is this. Next at a group. Price went up drastically, right? So I think there's nothing wrong that if you're intentional about I'm doing this because it's building my portfolio, what I want. But if it's not this, so even till this day, we have creators who you know charge 15, 20, whatever more for TikTok. They'll do some stuff for two, three when they know can this opportunity point because it'll get me here. I can leverage this. So so it's more like multi value, right? So having you know, managers that can sit there and be like, hey, I know this is not what you want, but your goals are X. Let's leverage this to then use this to this. And we've done that so many times to where like their size, their value, their deal size goes up because they build a very mm -hmm. specific portfolio to shell exactly. them, tell the next brand and things like that. Nice. You know? Right. That's why you need a talent manager like that. You do like that's that's where I'm at right now. So like I, New Mommy Talks has been like dabbling in different spaces. Right. And because I, I just I don't know where personally I want to be yet. Like I like the mommy stuff and I like it's the mom space is a controversial space to be in everyone i think it's an interesting spot why because everyone has such an ins like how you should parent is like already like it, you get so much hate oh yeah it's a spot wow. like you told about this. Yeah, oh, you're exploiting your child or whatever they're saying uh, like well, that so, kind of yeah. issues 
well, so the, a lot of creators stopped. So in my my group of creators, a lot of you see like a lot of people stopped with their kids. So I've had people ask specifically for me to redo my content before and have my kid in it. You know, so like that's what a lot of moms build on the other side is like, no, I don't mm -hmm. want my kid in that. Like it's me. So my stuff is really just my face, right? Like me talking about my experiences as a mom, like being like that. But I get the hate from like, you shouldn't be doing it that way. Like the mom community is very judgmental, like of other moms. It's not a warm space to be. And I it, it's great because it generates comments for me. Like keep talking, right? Like because that's that's what's getting me hatred because it. Right. Yeah. Oh, you don't like the way I bathed my kid. OK, like, you know, and then they're all commenting and they're thinking and I'll engage with them back and be like, well, what do you think? And they'll be like, I think you should be doing it this way. And they have no idea. That's just helping boost my views. I love the Yeah, it's interesting, too, because like when you bring up and from our side, right, like parents, moms, especially moms, one of the most decision makers of a household, those industry of some of the more higher paying industries, right? right? So it's so interesting yeah. you bring up because that's what comes with it, right? It might be a high paying industry, but people expect a lot more from you. They see you and they see themselves as their own baby. So there's like this, right. it's interesting. So how do you manage that? Because think of how many corporate people in your role that, crap, I'm trying to balance being corporate, but I have a TikTok, they're saying bad things. How does this impact my job? So how do you, you know, keep that, like, mm, be able to, because you know, I have issues Posting a TikTok as a CEO for agency, making sure right. my clients don't think I'm just, you know, on TikTok and things like that. Yeah. I mean, for balancing it for my, okay, so I guess I can, how much time you guys have? Because I have a new mommy talks exclusive. I can, I can give you a little. We want, it. Uh, we want them. Out okay. We got a new mommy talks exclusive because there was a scenario that I, about a month ago, changed my entire career and uh, it changed my outlook on a lot of things for being a content creator, being a public figure, and being in this controversial mom space. So my son has special needs. He is on the spectrum, so he's he's autistic. And it, I ended up getting enough, not in like a public altercation with a brand for the first time ever. And it was an interesting experience because I it was a brand where a lot of people buy the items. So you guys know. But it, they buy the items and they buy, sell, trade them. So it's kind of like the sneaker market, but for kids' sleep sacks. And so there's a lot of opinionated people out there who like bought their exclusive pattern and are planning on selling it on Facebook for a ton more money. It's a it's a baby sleep sack. I I will never understand. But uh, my son was chewing the zipper of the sleep sack, and I went to go to their website, and my son had a big rash all over his face. And I can't I can't find the information. And this is my mommy. Like, I'm really mad, like coming at them. Like, where is this information about what the zipper is made out of? I have no idea. No, no clue. And the most interesting part about it was that they didn't have any of the information on their website. And so I got in a chat with the brand on there. I said, you know, Kite Baby, I have a question. My son is a rash all over here. He's chewing the zipper and his, his lips blew up like this. They're huge. What is your zipper made out of? And the social media manager responded and said, we're really happy to report that our zipper is made out of lead-free paint. DM us for more information. Mm. And so there I am. And I'm like, no, I didn't ask about that. I asked about what the zipper was made out of in the metal. I asked about that. And they, they took three days to get back to me of me just panicking, right? Like completely panicking. They put it up on their website that their zipper was 100% free, nickel free and free of lead. And, you know, I, I got nervous and I went to go to the store and I bought like a lead test and it came back positive for lead. And my son had been chewing on this zipper and I did it live on TikTok to show them. And finally, their CEO came out and I the whole time New Mommy Talks as the mother I am, I was pressuring the brand to come out with a PR statement about it. They wouldn't took them three days to finally do it. And they did. And they admitted that it did have a little bit of lead in it, but it was safe in the U.S. standards of lead. And so there's a PR statement right now on theirs. And I commented the brand. I was like, thank you. I need the transparency. I need to know that my kid with the rash isn't chewing something that is making him sick because he has aut he's autistic. And that is like he's been chewing on this for like two and a half years. So I got a bunch of hate from the moms. How dare you let your kid chew on this? And 
it's it's visible. It's well, that's why they came for you. They came oh, for they you came for, for me. It was oh, they came for me. It, there's a big community, like I said, this buy sell trade community that was all like, you know, at me about this as well. Like, how dare you hate on Kite BB? You're you're a horrible person on them on their business. Yeah, on the business. Yeah, yeah. Their business. exactly. Yeah. And so, what was really interesting about this whole experience is, like, from a social perspective, I learned a lot. Um, I learned that the, I mean, this company's running paid ads like crazy, and, and my followers were seeing it. They were running paid ads against my content while my kid was like me trying to figure this out. I could see that because really? yeah, my followers were like, "There's an ad right after your videos," and I was just like, oh "That's weird." Their follower accounts. Yeah, their follower accounts went up. They were hiding comments. I called them out for deleting my followers' comments because they were also asking what the zipper was made out of for me. And they weren't quick on their PR statement. Like, I'm quick on social with anyone. You know, there's a PR statement coming out. If there's a PR crisis, I'm trained in crisis comms. Corporate social media, I'm coming for you. Like, that's I'm, I'm going to make sure that that's happening. And that's a crisis. I don't know what happened there. They just weren't addressing it. And I was I was telling them from my corporate social perspective, this is a crisis. Like you guys are hiding my comments instead of my followers' comments, and they're coming back at me saying they're they're curious as well. And they came out when they did come out with a response that was it was not aligned with what was on their website. It said, "Oh, our zipper is made out of zinc alloy," and I'm like, "Alloy is a combo of metals. Like, what is it made out of?" Like, I know just their response was beating around the bush, and it made their brand like not look good, like credible, I guess. And it was really difficult as a mom to go through that experience publicly. I publicly broke down and because I was so worried about my son. I was literally publicly breaking down. And the brand did apologize like on, in the comments and were like, no, I shouldn't be getting hate and stuff like that. And they were updating their website because it said it was 100% lead free and nickel free. Their social response said it was made out of zinc. It was so different, right? And so it was causing mass panic. So they they apologized. It was it was awesome, right? And it, it was nice of them to come out with the actual information so I don't have to worry about what's going in my kid's mouth. So all that being said, here comes my my fun influencer marketing story of the learning about it. And new mommy talks exclusive, because everyone knows about that. There's Reddit forms about me now about that. So thank you so much. It was my birthday, and that's what I got for my birthday was a Reddit form. I had a group of activists come at me using AI. And I noticed it because I saw a mass amount of bots saying the exact same thing. And I, I could analyze it. And my mentions were all like telling me to go on Instagram live with this specific person, kind of encouraging me reaching out to her saying what I did was really wrong by testing the item on live. And I was like, this is weird, right? And it was a group that was actually like activists for this space. And they wanted to capitalize off of me and my my views on whatever I was getting to then educate people on lead. And I was like, I'm not interested in the space. I'm, I'm literally not interested. And I don't want to be involved. And they were threatening me like, oh, we're going to sue you if you don't come on our Instagram live. And that I, I'm over here like I'm, oh, you know, and I, I was talking to them and I'm like, you guys deserve all the credit. Have a good day. You know, big, big light bulb coming off in my head, though. And this is where I'm saying, like, you really need someone if you're going to get into this following to help you manager. Right. You need someone. And I was in a space of I had that clicked in my head. No, no person in their right mind would sue me if I didn't go on their Instagram live. Yeah. So and I'm looking back and they're like, we never saw your TikToks, but they were verbatim saying the exact same thing that these bots were commenting. And I was like, weird. And they're like, did my community come after you? Like, it's you like in different names. You're creating fake accounts. So what was happening is they're using different accounts to get influencers to conform to using their platforms to say different messages. I saw influencers then actually talking about this experience with the same person confessing what they did was wrong and taking down their content and stuff like that. I consulted a lawyer and was just like, what do I do? Like I took a break from social media. I got really nervous and they were like, just show them that you don't want to be in that space. So I am there. Here I am creating content, right? Like I have a problem with maternity leave <laughs> copying for women. I have a problem and I'm just putting out content, right? And I'm, I have no interest in the space, but what happens is that influencers don't know this and they'll see that people are getting traction in a space that they were previously in. And it gets to a point where they don't, it gets competitive 
and they want to use someone else to amplify that message. And these people mm. are out there and it's scary. And it's something I never really knew about before, but it made me go right to <laughs> the head of where I work now, the tech company to, to flag this, right? Like, you know, everyday people are using chatbots linked with ChatGPT. Like, what do we do? I, I thought for my mentions and my reports that, you know, I was using listening metrics before. Hey, the listening metrics aren't accurate. It's just one person, but it looks like I had 85 mentions of yeah. this, this thing. And I was about to create content about exactly. it. What the heck? And so I knew that, but it became to a point where I then took a step back, took a break and said, wow, what is going on in this space? And how badly do these people really need managers that they don't know this? They need it. They they literally need it. Like it gets scary. Because when you think about like majors, like was it like... Um, huge following the type of messages we need, they might receive. And I think what you just experienced, I'm sure they go through the same thing. So it's really important to be surrounded by a team. I definitely recommend you to look for a, a talent manager and you don't have to, you don't need to have a long commitment. Oh yeah. I have to now. I have to. I mean, at this point, I'm like, imagine advising yourself on content. Like the point where you need, you know, I have a network of social professionals, right, that I can rely on. They all work everywhere and they work in influence. They all, yeah. I'm like, hey, what do you guys think about this? That's crazy. Like, that's nuts. And I'm just like, what do I do? Like, so it's it's different me having a network, right? But not having like I need someone specific now. And that's what I was saying. Like, I know that luck came on. But for anyone who is an influencer manager, it's like, I mean, an influencer and you don't have that talent and you think you're going to go double down on some content that you think is addressing an audience, there's a chance that there's really no audience there. And it's someone who's trying to totally swift your following or your audience a totally different way. Um, and a lot of experienced influencers don't even know that because they're just creating content. So it is a new space. And when, when you were asking what I think is going to happen, I think that there's going to be a lot of creators who have no idea that they're talking to an audience of one when they think that they're talking to an audience of multiple. And it's going to be a new thing. It's going to be, it's going to get worse before it gets better because there's no regulation on this today. Um, and that's where I'm, I'm very passionate in the space of this combined. Uh, like, what do we do? Like, what do we do? Uh, and you need those people to help advise you. Because I know if I had a manager, they'd be like, what do you, ignore them. Like, what are you doing? Right? Like, that's not your space. And how does it tell with creators when they'll come to us and freaking out or this and Obviously, for us, we're in it all the time. We see all the kind of companies. And because we met as company creators, we see trends. Where all of a sudden, like the sales guy's like, oh, there's this weird thing happening. Like three of our creators got the same thing. And because they're all kind of the same niches, right? It's easy to kind of point the shoes and kind of pivot. So, yeah, it's great to see. And you're right. Not everyone has a network of, you know, uh, social uh, marketers like how you do. No. And most creators don't. They just go on there, they create, they get famous really quick and they're like, wait, what? Like, what do I do now? Um, they don't really know where to go. So it's like having people who are trusted in the network and they know what they're doing is important. And then also on the flip side, the corporate, like, do you want to be managing that? Like, do you want to be managing influencers who like that whole network? Like, that's difficult to do on your own. Like, you know, the PR crisis and stuff like that. I had other influencers who were involved with this Kite Baby thing commenting at me saying like, we like, you know, they were involved in deals with Kite Baby who like, I think they were afraid that this would impact th their commission. And it's like that as a brand, like as a corporate marketer, it's like, you have to think of those people, right? Like if you have a product that, you know, is you want to protect your relationship with them and take ownership of it so they don't get the hate, but they were just trying to protect themselves. You could tell that they didn't have managers and they were afraid, right? oh, I'm going to go comment at her and say like, F you, right? Like, and you're just like, okay. And so I called them out. I was like, be be careful. I, like I said, influencers, I'm not judging you. If you're using this product, like I made a statement and I know that you are in relationships with them. It's okay. Like I know how like scary that could be to be in a situation where you're potentially like not able to say stuff. And we've seen that, you know, with big celebrities like this year, like where they can't get out of contract with stuff. And you're like, why aren't you standing up for them? It's like, well, I'm in contract. I can't say anything, right? But, you know, on the flip side, like corporate, that's why I'm saying, like, you don't want to be dealing with that. So it's like having 
someone who's managing that kind of relationship with influencers and, and advising you in ways to handle those types of situations. That's important as well if you're in that space. So getting the right person from a corporate perspective to do that, you need you need some type of person who's managing influencer if you're going to do it right because it could blow up in your face real quick so it's not good perfect thank you anna you were bringing the gems today yeah. the gems <laughs> have been dropped sprinkled everywhere <laughs> well, so perfect way to conclude like this story like the share and, and i know it's very personal so we really appreciate it that you've been real like uh, all through the, this, this podcast so I, I really appreciate you I think it's time to wrap up. Where can we find you on social media? So, okay, a couple of things. LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn because that's who I am as a professional, Anna Picard, which there's two Anna Picards. So there, Anna Picard actually was a head of communications at Slack. Like, shout out, we have the same name. Like, good for you. Like, I wish I was you. You're awesome. But I'm not. So um, you'll find me on, on LinkedIn. And then New Mommy Talks, that's my TikTok. And I just started a social account. I'm actually dabbling back into growing an account from scratch on TikTok, which is at Talking Social, and it's T-O-K, social, because I want to see what it's like to grow an account today mm. and how it was different from when I tapped back into the market so I can help advise people about what that looks like. And I'm always kind of trying to do that with like all different platforms because barrier to entry is always different depending on the time. And it's not going to be organic growth like it was like two, three, two, three years back when I did it before. And I'm, I'm noticing that. So um, yeah, find me there. So of course, thanks again. And uh, we will be keeping up with your socials. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, I'll have to follow yeah. you guys on, on done deal as well. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Thanks, Rapper. Thank you for watching. You may know you're listening to this show along the marketing podcast network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called own it. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.